Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. We wonder, how do I help? How do I get involved? Is there even any purpose? It just seems so insurmountable. I just feel hopeless. All right, or sometimes hopelessness will hit a little bit closer to home in our lives, right? We uh, maybe our car dies and we don't have the the finances to to get it fixed, and we're just oh, how am I going to get to work? To if I can't get to work, I can't earn the money to fix the car. But if I can't fix the car, I can't get to work to make the money. Oh, this is terrible. It just feels hopeless, right? Or maybe you know we're we're. Doing, anybody do the Dave Ramsey thing? Dave Ramsey, the debt snowball, right? And so it's the, supposedly this, it's, it is a good thing. It is a good thing, right? And one of the steps in the Dave Ramsey process is that you kind of pull together all of your debts and to create, and so you're going to start paying off debts. So Amber and I do this. We pull together all our debts. And instead of inspiring hope, we look at this and we go, oh my goodness, how did we ever spend this much money? Like, I don't see anything around here that's worth this, right? But, you know, and so it feels, it just can feel hopeless, right? And um, there's there's a, a season of my life that, that some of you have probably heard this story before, where I was in the the center, the the pit of hopelessness that is Fox Brothers. <laughs> that's... That is where that was where I worked before I started the church. This is a joke. I love Fox Brothers. They're great people. But there was a season of time where I, I was working at Fox Brothers at about it was probably about ten years I'd worked there. And I was just like, This is there's got to be more. This is this is not what, what I'm created to do. And then the the two thousand eight housing crisis happens, right, in the building industry kind of goes through some really hard times. People, A lot of people get laid off, and so you know how it goes, right? It's like now you get paid less, but you have more responsibilities, and it's, it's just it's hard. The situation got difficult, and it was not my most righteous moment of life when I would go into, have to go into Fox Brothers, and I'd be like, I am going to be a, a light, an example of Jesus in this place. And it only took about five minutes for me to forget that and just be like, blah, what's wrong with you people? Blah. So, um, anyway, just being transparent. That wouldn't, nobody else would feel that way, but for me, it was, it was difficult. And so I was in this place of hopelessness, right? And, and so I decided I need to get out of here. So I started getting the paper, right? And, and looking at, on monster.com. You know, I gotta find a job. And I wasn't, there, there's nothing, there's very few jobs available. Um, the jobs that were available, I didn't qualify for, right? I didn't have the, the training or the, the degree or whatever. Or maybe the, the pay was too little or whatever. There's always some reason. And, and I just, couldn't find anything to do and it just felt hopeless right i'm stuck in fox brothers for the rest of my life wow right and so it was so hard and so then i decided well if i can't get a job because i don't have the skills i better go back to school um and so i decided to go back to kalamazoo valley community college and i decided i was just gonna i look at all their degrees and i didn't like any of them they all seemed terrible to me and i was just like well what I need to do is this is this is what I need to do to get out of Fox Brothers. So I'm just going to pick a degree. I'll get it, and then I'll get a job, and I will be I will be happy, right? And so I decide that I will be an English major because it seemed like the least terrible degree at Valley. Um, and and so 
I, I don't know what you do with an English degree, but I'm sure they don't offer majors and then don't have jobs that you can get after you get them. So, Valley, oh, I decided to be an English major, so I get signed up. I figure out all the classes that I need, right? And I, and I sit down to figure out when I could take these classes, great. Um, but because I worked full-time at Fox Brothers, I had a family, had church responsibilities, had a bunch of stuff going on, it, every time that a class was offered that I needed to take, uh, it was it was just a big hassle, and it just I I couldn't figure out how like I can't even figure out how to get one or two classes in. How am I going to get all the classes in that I need for a degree? And I just felt so hopeless. I felt like ah, God has closed every single door. He wants me to be at Fox Brothers. He doesn't care about my happiness. I'm just here, and it is hopeless. And so in this pit of hopelessness, my friend Greg Miller comes along and, and we start getting together and talking and uh, talking about my, my dreams and my passions and what I want to do with my life. And he helps me to kind of start setting goals and to, to go, well, okay, you don't want to be at Fox Brothers. You don't want to get this degree. Oh, you want to be, you want to be a pastor. You want to go into to vocational ministry. You want to go to full-time ministry. This is how that works. And this is the goal. All right, here's the obstacles. Anyway, so he started showing me that, all right, you know where you want to go. And these obstacles are surmountable. You can get through this. And all of a sudden, I realized that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Right? It renewed me with hope that I could get out of Fox Brothers. And it was amazing. And I still uh, endured Fox Brothers for another two or three years after this point. But there's a difference, right, when there is hope, when there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that is what we are talking about today. The clock is gone. Very dangerous. Very dangerous that the clock is gone. <laughs> is that that's not the right time, is it? Oh, goodness. Uh, Lord Jesus, we need your help. We're we're a good quarter way through my intro, so. So, all right, friends, we're going to do this real quick. It's going to be great. So, what we're talking about today is hope. From thence he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. That is the portion of the Nicene Creed that we are studying today. Right? And we've already looked back and we've looked at God the Father who created everything. We've looked at Jesus, that he is fully God and he's fully man, that he came to save us, that he was crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day he rose again, which we celebrate today. Right. And this resurrection validates everything that Jesus said and everything that he did. And this resurrection gives us hope. It gives us hope in the fact that he is coming back. And this part of the creed answers that question. What happens in the end? What happens at the end of the world? Right. Because people always ask this question and I got to skip something. There's a lot of. Where's my? There's a lot of TV shows and movies and things that deal with this question of the end of the world, right? Falling skies and Walking Dead and war games and all these things. And a lot of people have these theories about when is the world going to end. We can remember Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? Very scary, <laughs> right? And uh, the the Mayan calendar that was kind of a big deal a few years ago. Um, and then my favorite well, is this guy. 
he says that Judgment Day is coming May 21st, and you can't read it here, but it says in that little circle, the Bible guarantees it. So I would get ready. I would be prepared. The Bible guarantees May 21st. Actually, this uh, this was from, I think it was 2012 or 2013. So we made it. Everything's fine. We still don't know when the end of the world is going to be. All right. So, but we do know that Jesus is coming back. People have always asked this question. There's a sciencey article that talks about it. Everybody talks about it. Even the disciples asked this question. See how I went quickly? The disciples asked this question. And in Matthew 24, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these? He asked, truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You see, even the disciples wanted to know, Jesus, what happens at the end? When is it happening? What is going to happen? And Jesus responds in Matthew 24:36 just a few verses later he says but about that day or hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father all right and so Jesus does not know he does not answer the question when is the end going to come but he does tell his disciples we don't know when but just be ready be prepared he tells a couple of parables but Basically, the teaching is, be ready. The Son of Man could come at any moment. And even though we don't know when that is, Jesus did answer what? Well, okay. Sorry, friends. So he did answer what? And the answer was judgment. We don't know when it's going to happen, but Jesus said, when I come back in my glory, there will be be judgment. And Jesus doesn't shy away from this reality. You know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to push into it, right? Because it's a little bit scary. Like we are going to sit before this holy God and he is going to judge whether we're good or bad and whether we get to go into heaven or not. That is pretty scary. All right. But I'm going to tell you that in reality, this is amazingly good news for us. All right. Um, and so Jesus tells this uh, uh, story, or he tells uh, about the, the sheep and the goats, all right? And it says, I'm just going to skip to a couple parts of it, not read the whole thing, because it's a little bit lengthy. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and so on. Then the righteous will answer, when did we see you hungry? And Jesus will say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then to those on the left. He will say, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, 
but the righteous to eternal life. That feels a little bit heavy, right? But at Jesus' return, at his second coming, he will come to judge the hearts of all the people, both the living and the dead. And he is going to separate those who have believed and submitted their lives to Jesus and those who have not. Those who believe to eternal life and those who have turned their backs on Jesus to eternal punishment. And we cannot take this lightly, right? We cannot kind of skirt around this issue. And as we look at the teachings of the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, we see that he was not afraid to deal with this issue, right? And last week when Kathy Spaulding was here, she talked about how Pontius Pilate tried to wash his hands of Jesus. And, and she said, right, that we cannot wash our hands of this decision. We have to make a choice. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and submit our lives to his lordship, or are we going to turn our backs on him? There's no middle ground. But there is good news in the midst of this, right? That sounds kind of heavy, Mark, right? But the the God who is coming back, the Jesus who is returning, is not this angry, vengeful God who is looking forward to squashing us and getting back at us for all the bad things that we have done, all right? That is not who is coming back. The same God who is coming back is the one who did not spare his only son, It is this same Jesus who willingly laid down his life, who willingly laid down his rights uh, and his life for us. That is who's coming back. And when Jesus is coming back, the lover of our souls, the one who went through every length to restore us into relationship with God, we can rejoice. We can rejoice because that is who is coming back. Good news. Okay. So... Why is it such good news that Jesus is coming back? Isn't it enough that he forgave us our sins and now we can just live happily and if he just stays in heaven, we can just go about our business and everybody can be fine, right? Not exactly. There's something better than this coming. So why is Jesus coming back good news? We can see it in part in Revelations 21. I'm talking really fast because I love you guys, so I'm sorry if it's too quick. All right, um, so how does this affect our lives? The new heaven and the new earth. Revelations 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back and he's bringing the new Jerusalem, right? The city of God. He is going to dwell here on earth with us. Right? He is also going to get rid of sin. He's going to, there's going to be no tears. There's no death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. You see, the second coming, Jesus is going to consummate his kingdom. And consummate here just means he's going to complete in every detail the kingdom of God. And the kingdom, we, we just, What we mean by that is everywhere that Jesus rules, 
that's the kingdom of God, right? Where God reigns and is the king. That is the kingdom. And when Jesus comes back, he is going to complete that in every detail. All right, and that's going to get rid of sin, no more selfishness, pride, fear, hate, all these things that have no place in God's kingdom. All things that original sin had allowed into, God, uh, into God's perfect kingdom, into God's perfect world. And in this consummated kingdom, in this, this completed kingdom of God, right, uh, we are going to be able to thrive just like we were designed to thrive. We're going to be able to, to love each other and be loved to the, the fullest capacity, right? Unhindered by sin. And we're going to be able to create culture, right? Imagine the things that we can do as engineers and designers and artists and musicians without the, the, the penalty of sin holding us down and keeping us back, right? We're going to be able to adventure and live and enjoy life to its fullest, all of these things without the restraint of sin. Right? And the good news is we have access to this in part, right? We live in the, the kingdom age and we, and Jesus has come back and we are filled with the Spirit and we have access to the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, self-control, and seems like there might be one more good fruit, gentleness, there's some fruit, good fruits, good things, right, that we have access to because we are Christians, right? And yet, in the midst of this kingdom age that we are in, um, you know, we are surrounded, right, by what appears to be not the kingdom, right? We see all around us there's still sin, and there's still death, and there's still relationships falling apart, right? And there's still... Uh, people that are getting sick and people that are dying. It seems that we have access to the kingdom, but we're surrounded by not kingdom, right? And theologians call this the, the, the kingdom now and not yet, uh, which I don't have time. I would love to talk. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, but I'm going to skip it. We're in this kind of overlap time, right, of that we are in the new kingdom, but the new kingdom hasn't come in its fullness, Right. And so you and I are ambassadors of this kingdom. Right. As as a church, New Day Community Church and every other Christ following church, right, is a, is an outpost of the kingdom. Right. We are bringing light and life and truth everywhere that we go. Because you and I have access to this kingdom. That is why we pray for healing. That is why we can enjoy restored relationship with God and restored relationship with each other. Right? That is why we can have peace and joy in the midst of this world that is full of hopelessness, darkness, sin, and tragedy. Because we know that what we are in right now is not the end of the story. Right. We know that, yeah, OK, there's difficult things happening. It's hard. Right. But but we can have peace and joy in the midst of it because we know that Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, he is going to set everything right again. And even if we're going through trials and pain and difficulty, we have hope that Jesus is coming back and that he is going to bring us into the fullness of his kingdom. And I just want to close with this. Uh, I started reading a, a portion of scripture from First Peter. And if we, if we look at the history of First Peter, he was writing to Christians who are scattered through Asia Minor. 
that are living under increased levels of persecution. No longer was Christianity kind of put up with and viewed as a a legal sect of Judaism, but uh, the Roman Emperor Claudius was rising to power and he was trying to bring back this old Roman faith. And it was antagonistic to all of the foreign religions. So there is persecution happening to Christianity and the other non-Roman religions in this area. right? And so shortly after this letter circulated, Emperor Nero becomes the emperor and he kills thousands of believers in Rome. And this probably includes Peter. And so we are, he's writing this in the midst of trial and persecution and trouble and difficulty, you know, and they are just barely holding on. And it's into this place that Peter writes these amazing words. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even in the midst of these trials, right, we have Hope, because Jesus was raised from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. There's something more coming. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, you greatly rejoice. You rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So powerful. Peter is saying, things are tough, guys. I understand that. But God is coming back. And he is going to set everything right. He has not forgotten about you. He has not abandoned you. And in the same way, God the Father is saying the same thing to us as we read First Peter. You guys, there. I know there's troubles. I know that you're going through hardships. I know that there is pain. I know that this world isn't always easy. But there is hope. I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you. I am with you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. God is right there in the midst of it. And we know that whatever we're dealing with is not the end of the story. In the Gospel of John, it says, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome. And so even though we live in a world ravaged by sin, we hold on to hope. We hold on to this confident expectation that Jesus is coming back, that he has not abandoned us, that he is with us in the midst of our trials and our struggles. And we know that when he returns, there will be a judgment where we will be called to account for what we believed and what we've done. But we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, we will be ushered into eternal life, into eternal pleasure with Christ in the new heavens and on the new earth. And we will see the the final consummation of this glorious kingdom, sin and death 
thrown into the lake of fire, and we will live free from sin forever in fullness of life, unhindered by sin. And this is our great hope. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father God, we just thank you that you are a God of hope. God, that uh, that you know the end of the story, Father God, and that you have not forgotten us or abandoned us, God. And I just pray that right now, there might be some of us that are going through really difficult situations. Lord Jesus, we just give those to you right now. And ask that in the midst of these situations, would you fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the, the kingdom of God, life and joy and hope and peace and patience in the midst of it, God. And we trust you. We declare this morning, Jesus, that we trust you and that you alone are our hope. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for persevering. I appreciate it. If you have any prayer needs, um, there's going to be a prayer team on, on my right here, and they would love to, to pray with you. And if not, uh, you are dismissed. There is coffee and snacks in the family room. Have a marvelous Easter.